Welcome to Kingsway International Christian Center Tirona, where we are raising champions and taking territories. We are sure this teaching will be a huge blessing to your life. For more information, visit www.kicccanada.ca. Now, get ready to be transformed by the Word. for this opportunity. I want to say thank you to Pastor Dayo for handing this space to me to do this. Um, I'm grateful to, to God for the privilege to bring his word to you. I trust him to do what he will do with his word. And um, yes, thank you. Thank you to Pastor Dayo. Thank you to the leadership of the church. This morning, I believe I'm bringing us a word from God and um, I trust that at the end of the day, someone will leave with something that will cause um, a transformation in their lives in the name of Jesus, including myself. <coughs> I do not exempt myself. Praise the Lord. <coughs> okay, so I'm just going to be talking to us this morning. And, um, you know, as I was studying, I was just reflecting and I was just thinking about the fact that you know, we live in a world right now where we, we don't like, or we live in an age, more like, an age where we don't like people interfering with our businesses. We don't want people just, you know, poking their noses into, you know, our business. So by business, I mean anything that you might be building, any project that you might have. It could be the business of your family, you know, raising a family. It could be the business of career, planning your career could be the business of, you know, deciding what to go to school to study, deciding who to marry, business of nurturing your children, raising your children up. And we just don't want people interfering in our, in our businesses. Please, just don't poke your nose in my business. Unlike, I mean, in the past, when to get married, it was our parents. Okay, not ours, but you know what I mean. The parents come together and they are the ones that organize that. Or if you had to go to school to study, your father said, my father told me I was going to study medicine. <laughs> and until he died, I believed him. <laughs> anyway, yes, yeah, so, you know, but now these days, I'm, I'm um, building my family. Please stay out of it. I'm doing this. Please stay out of it. I'm trying to plan my career. Please stay out of it. You don't want people interfering with our businesses. But this morning, I just need you to look to your neighbor and say to your neighbor, you need God in your business. In fact, say to them, you desperately need God in your business. Hallelujah. Um, we're going to start off with this, a scripture in pop, very popular scripture, Psalm 127. And verse 1. And it says, except the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. I'm just going to stop there. Except the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. And thinking about that, you know, it, it seems to me like, God, are you saying that I should just stay clear and you will come and do this building yourself? Now, I don't think that is, that is possible. If, if 
there is something that is to be built. If I have to build a business, if I have to build something, I must be involved to a degree, right? So I cannot say, God, come and do the building. So looking at that, something came to mind, and I'm going to take us back to my construction technology class. So I'm going to university now. And I take us back there because that was the first place I heard the term master builder. And the master builder is like a precursor to our modern-day architect. So we know who an architect is. We know that um, for any structure that we see that is standing, that is, um, you know, durable, that doesn't just come down on its own, that is not brought down by, the act, by an act of God, like we would say in that class as well. An architect had, had it in their mind, and they put it together on paper. They created the plan. They put, you know, that design, that thing that they had in their mind, they put it down on the paper, and they created a plan. And you find that when, when that building, when that project begins, the architect can also assume the position of the project manager on site. Now, what happens when they start building? The architect who, like I said, is a project manager, goes on site and he begins to dish out instructions. And he's ensuring that the builders, those that are laboring, are working in accordance with the specifications that he has put in place. So when I look at that scripture, that is what I see happening. I see God as the master builder. He has created a plan. He has specifications to his plan. He has a design in mind. Then you and I as the laborer come into the picture and we begin to build according to that specification. We begin to build according to those plans. Now, what happens if the laborers decide to go to site without the architectural drawings or if the project manager doesn't show up on site or we say, oh, the project, project manager is not needed on site. Let's just go and do what we need to do. We will find that there will be the, 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 the construction work is just going any which way. There is no plan to work with. Hallelujah. So, basically, what I'm saying this morning is that that scripture, except the Lord builds, the laborers are building in vain. Now, still talking about a project manager on site, there are different things besides the fact that he has created the plan. There are other things he ensures. He's created the plan. He's ensuring that people are building to specification, that they are building according to the design, that the original design he had in plan. He's also there to, to mitigate against deviations that may occur because there are likelihoods that things may, you know, not go as planned. So he's there to ensure that everything is brought back to the original plan. If, there's, if maybe there's inflation or there's um, maybe uh, a labor strike that affects... Um, the ability to, to purchase products, he ensures that he puts remedies in place, contingency plans, as we, as we called it then, to bring it back on track. Now, as I was thinking about that, a scripture came to mind, popular scripture, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. And we know what it says. It says, I know the plans that I have for you. That is God speaking. He's saying, I know the plans that I have for you. And it struck me that the architectural plan and the plans he has for us, 
The same thing, it is a plan. He has a design. He has something designed. And that scripture tells us that it is for good to bring us to a future. It is not for destruction. So, I need us to understand that as we are building, whatever it is we are building, whether it is our careers, our relationships, our marriages, let us not push aside the original plan, the architectural plan, the design, the original design that God has put in place that we are supposed to work with. Let us not think that we can build on our own. Let us not think that we can push it aside, not work with specifications, and do as we please. Mind you, the architectural plan, if you have seen one, I'm sure most of us have, if you have seen one, you see that that plan actually is an aerial view of the entire project. So God creates an aerial view of the entire project. From where he's sitting, he can see everything in that project. He can see the foundation. He can see the external walls. He can see the internal walls. He can see the finishing. He can see the flooring. He can see the roof. But if you do not work with that plan, all you and I will see is the frontal view. That is as far as we can see if we're not working with that original design. So it is important that we go back to that original design. Sometimes it is not clear to us. Sometimes we do not know for certain what it is. But as long as we are working with the project manager, because the truth of the matter is, not all the laborers on site see that architectural plan. Not all of them can even, they can't even understand it. The laborers, the ones who actually come together to do the work, they can, if you put that thing before them, they cannot understand it. You need the architect there to explain it to them, to help them understand what is required to be done because he can see, the, he can already see the finished work. He already knows what the finished product should look like. Hallelujah. So from there, I'm just going to take us to a few people in the, in the Bible that allowed God to invade their business, to come, to step in and orchestrate things to work out his original plans for their lives. And I'm just going to um, take us to popular scriptures as well. In fact, we mentioned a few this morning. So, Peter, that's the first person I want us to look at. And we know the story of Peter. How he was at sea, carrying out his business. His own business was an entrepreneurial business. So it could even be that kind of business. Hallelujah. So he was out, he was out at sea. And the Bible says that he had toiled all night. And he had caught nothing. And then the master shows up. And he wants to invade his business. He wants to interfere. And he says, give me your boots. Bring your boots. I need to step into this. I need to work with it. Peter could very well have said, Hello. Where, who are you? Where are you from? You just want to come and take my business and just, you know, disrupt, you know, my flow. But that was not the case. The Bible says that Peter let him have the boat. So Jesus went in, used the boat as he pleased, used it to preach the gospel, to, well, to share the word to the crowd. And then we know what happened next. Peter, um, Jesus said to Peter, now, Throw your net on the right side. Peter said, we've told all night. We have done all that we know to do 
intellectually, professionally. We do this thing. We have done this thing for years. So you can't just come and tell us, you know, <laughs> cast your nets to the other side and think things are going to just turn around. But Peter didn't say all that. He realized that this is no ordinary person. In my words, this is the master builder. This is the person with the original plan. This is the person that knows how it is going to end. If he says, I should throw my net to the other side, I might as well. Hello. And he did that, and he had a great catch. That is what the Bible says. He had to call on, he had to beckon on his colleagues, if you like, to come and help him with that, with that um, particular catch that, that night. Oh, sorry, that morning. So, so, <laughs> amen. So we see that because Peter chose to align with Jesus' words, Jesus' instructions, what Jesus said to him that day, because he decided to carry out, if you like, Jesus' specifications on what he needed to do to produce in that particular situation, there was an overwhelming result. There was a result that none could deny. Hallelujah. So, I'm going to go back to the fact that God wants to be involved in our businesses. We desperately, like we said in the, at the beginning, we desperately need him in our business. We desperately need him overseeing our business. We desperately need him guiding, leading, showing us, telling us that this is what you ought to do. Now, besides the fact that he wants to be the architect, the project manager, I'm going to say that he also wants to be, when we now begin to build that thing, so he has created a plan. We have a plan to work with. Now, besides the fact that he wants to be the designer of that plan, the originator of that plan, he also wants to be actively involved in that plan. He wants to be, if you like, the foundation of that plan. Hallelujah. Jesus said he was... Um, telling a story. We can go there. Matthew 7. For me personally, I just think that, you know, there are many decisions I have made in, in, in life that I did not necessarily, as important as those decisions were, I did not necessarily consult with God because I thought that they were just, you know, regular decisions. I mean, you don't have to think too hard to know, you know, what school to go to to, to, to study or what job you want to do or whether I should take this job instead of that job. You might not need to, you might think you don't need to think too hard, but basically the message coming to us today is that God has an original plan. He wants us walking with that original plan. Matthew 7, verse 21. So I said God wants to be the architect. He also wants to be the foundation. When you now begin to build, you have a design, you begin to build. That is not the time to set the architect aside. Set the project manager aside and say, I'm going to site on my own to do as I please because I can see what it's going to turn out like. No, Matthew 7, 21 to 27. 
So this is Jesus speaking, and he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and driven out demons in your name? 23 says, and then I will say to them openly, I never knew you. Depart from me. You act wickedly. This is where I'm going to. Verse 24. So everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them, obeying them, will be like a sensible, prudent, practical, wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a stupid foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great and complete was the fall of it. Verse 25 says that the winds came, the floods came, but nothing happened to that house because it had its foundation on the rock. A lot of times when, you know, we look at this scripture, you know, I mean, growing up, hearing people talk about this scripture, it would seem like, oh, you know, Jesus was the rock. Yes, Jesus is the rock. But I think what Jesus was emphasizing there was the fact that the person who obeys his words, who obeys his instructions, who acts upon his words, is like one who has built on a rock. So the word there, his instructions there, obeying his word, is the foundation of that house that he has built. Hallelujah. So if we are not, if we must make God the foundation of what we are building, we must go back to what I said earlier on, specifications, instructions, the word. What is God saying about that situation? What is God saying about this um, this thing, this thing I'm building, this project, this um, family I'm raising, my children that I'm raising, this relationship I'm going into, this marriage I'm building, what is God saying? Am I aligning it to the word of God, to instructions that I may be getting from day to day as I seek his face concerning that matter? So Jesus is saying, make me the foundation, make my words the foundation. I do not want to just design it. I also want to be the one that you are building on. You are building on my words because when the winds come, because they will come, then you can be sure that that thing that you are building stands. It is not, it's not taken out by an act of God. Hallelujah. An act of God being the floods and the storms. So, that is, that is, you know, us looking at God as the architect and as the foundation of what we are building. And the Bible says that if the foundation is destroyed, what will the righteous do? Hallelujah. If we are not building on the proper foundation, when that foundation, if it will eventually give way. If the laborers go to site without the architectural plans, I say it. If they go and just construct, you know all those buildings back home, those of us that are from Nigeria, those buildings that nothing happens, they are standing, they're supposed to be standing right, and then you now see them tilting. They have not been hit by anything, nothing, no, no tsunami, no earthquake, and then they are now high rises, falling down. It's because the foundation was wrong. That was where the problem started. Hallelujah. So if the foundation is destroyed, what would the righteous do? I can tell us what the righteous can do. The righteous can run back to the architect. Go back to him and say, I started building wrong. I need you. I need you to come and fix this. Come and remedy this situation. 
and he's able. Hallelujah. The Bible says that the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. Hallelujah. If we are building on his word, building on his instructions, building on his specifications, we can be sure that it will stand forever. Praise the Lord. Let's go to 2 Kings. We're going to look at another person. Also a very popular story. I'm not bringing us strange stories. <laughs> we'll get us racking our brains. Okay, so 2 Kings chapter 4. And I'm reading from verse 8. And we're looking at the story of the Shunammite woman. It says, on one day, Elisha went on to Shunem, where a rich and influential woman lived, who insisted on his eating a meal. Afterward, whenever he passed by, he stopped there for a meal. So she was a rich and influential woman. Another version says she was a great woman, right? So that means she was building something great. She was working on a project that was taking her somewhere. But the Bible mentioned that she insisted that the man of God, the person that represented the word of God, that represented God in her time, she insisted that he stopped by every time to have a meal. She insisted there was no negotiating the matter. We were not going to think about it. Should we? Should we not? She insisted that this man must stop by her house. He must stop by. He must. As long as he was in town, he must stop by her house and eat a meal. And she said to her husband, behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God who passes by continually. Let us make a small chamber on the housetop and put there for him a bed. At this point, I'm going to stop and say that God doesn't only want to be the architect of those things that we are building. He doesn't only want to be the foundation of what we are building. But even as we build, he wants to, us to make room for him in what we are building. Like this woman, he wants us to place him at the penthouse, if you like, of what we are building. He wants priority. He wants us to see him as the one who can oversee, the one who oversees. I mean, from the penthouse, you have, I mean, the view from the penthouse is different from when you're down there. He wants to be the one on the top of our list, on the top of that thing that we are building. He wants us to give him priority over everything that we may be building as a business, like this woman did. She made room for him at the top of her house, put him there, gave him a bed, a table, a chair, a lamp. Pastor Matthew broke this down for us during the conference. Then whenever he comes to us, he can go up, the outside says, and rest there. So they had created room for him. So I say it again. God wants to be the originator. He wants to be the foundation. And you shouldn't stop there. Because the truth of the matter is, as you build with God, influence will come. Prosperity will come. Greatness will come. There's a tendency to push him aside and say, you know what? I don't need, I don't need that anymore. I got me there. I don't think I need it. I can do this great. I can do this all by myself. God is saying, you still need to make room in that thing that you are building and put him on the top of the list. Hallelujah. The Bible goes on and says, one day he came and turned into the chamber and lay there. And he said to Gehiza, his servant, call this Shunammite. 
when he called her, she stood before him, and we know what happened. She wasn't thinking about having a son. That was not, you know, it wasn't a, much of a concern for her, it seemed. And she didn't even have to mention it to him. But the servant mentioned it to Elisha. And Elisha said, by this time next year, you're going to have a son. And that is what happens when we involve God completely and totally in what we are building. The things that we do not even think about, we just see them appearing and thinking, oh my goodness, this could only have been God. Prayers that we did not pray, God just goes ahead of us and he just, you know, answers things that we did not anticipate. God just goes ahead of us and he takes care of them. Hallelujah. That is what happened with this woman because she had put God above all. Verse 16. That was when I said, at this season, when the time comes around, you shall embrace a son. And she, she, she um, had a son the following year. Verse 18 says, when the child had grown, he went out one day to his father with the reapers. But he said to his father, my head, my head. The man said to his servant, carry him to his mother. And when he was brought to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon, and then he died. And she, and she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. So, this woman's life seemed fine until the man of God interfered and gave her a son that she didn't ask for. And while she was enjoying that blessing, the devil shows up, storms show up, troubles show up. The Bible says that she took the son, the dead son, to the bed, to the room that she had created for the man of God. And she put him on his bed, shut the door. She called to her husband and said, send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys that I may go quickly to the man of God and come back. Verse 24 says, then she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, ride fast. Do not slacken your pace for me unless I tell you to. The truth of the matter, brothers and sisters, is that as we build, whatever it is, whether it is the marriage, whether it is the career, whether it is that business, the entrepreneurial business, whether it is uh, jobs, whatever, trouble will come. And when trouble comes, where do we go? As Christians, a lot of us will go to God. A lot of us will run to God. But are we running to a God that we have put at the top of our house, that we have put on top of our list? Or are we, are we running to a God that we have relegated to the back? So that, I mean, before we get to him, we have to plea and, you know, just try and get back into his good books. Because we are not sure if, you know, the way the way I am, I'm not sure God will answer in this matter, this desperate situation. Hallelujah. But as long as God has room in your heart, as long as he has room in your house, he has room in your career, he has, you have created room for him at the penthouse, in your business, in your family, in your marriage, in your relationship. You will run there with ease and you will find a solution. Hallelujah. The woman ran there, ran to the man of God. And the man of God, we know how the story ended. What he had put in her hand could not die. It came back to life. 
And that is, that is the thing, that is it with the things that God builds. As long as it is God that is building a thing in your life, even though it looks like it is dying, it might look like it is dying. But if you know that you started with God, God was the architect of this matter. God was the one that gave me specifications, instructions on how to build. And I am building with God. Then it is not likely that if you see it dying, you'll be quick to accept that it should die. You will first run to God and say, God, this thing, it looks like it's dying. We need it to come back alive. And as long as you are walking in sync with God, you are aligned with God, he will let you know whether we are moving on to a new plan or, yes, that thing is not permitted to die. Hallelujah. So this morning, basically, I have come to let us know that whatever it is we are building, whatever it is, whatever it is, no matter how inconsequential it may seem. Like I said before, there are some decisions we take. There are some moves we make that, you know, we don't see the point in praying over it. And it's just, it's not just, I'm just going to walk. You know, I'm just getting in my car and going to walk. There were, okay, we don't, we don't face, um, I mean, the kind of traffic we used to face in Lagos here. There are times when to get in that traffic, you need the Holy Spirit. I'm constantly talking to the Holy Spirit. Which way? Should I turn left? Should I turn right? <laughs> Show me which way to go. Hallelujah. Tell me which way to go. And as I say that, I remember a story. Um, I mean, I was in this situation with a pastor of mine. And we're going to this um, baby dedication. It was. And she was driving. I was sitting down next to her. She was driving. And at, as we got to a particular point in the road, we could see the ceremony ahead of us. It was like in an open space. Back home, it was an open space. So all we needed to do was just drive on and just, you know, go to the ceremony. And for some reason, she just turned left. Sorry, turned right. And we now went round. I mean, we could see it right in front of us. So we went round some buildings to get there. As we were going to turn, we looked behind us, and a car had fallen into a ditch. Huge ditch, right? That car was there. We could still see it as we were at that ceremony. We could see it across, you know. And they were there until that ceremony ended, trying to lift out that car out of that space. Simple decision. I'm just driving. I don't really need. But, I mean, that is, <laughs> that is just... Um, and, I mean, I could tell us many more stories, but I'm going to leave it there. And I'm going to say again that no matter how influential, how great... How successful that thing that we are building, whether it is, you know, I've mentioned so many things, especially as we go into this new decade of greatness, where God is going to be doing great and awesome things. Let us not be quick to push him aside and think we don't need it. We don't need this anymore. This couldn't be what brought me this far. If you are here today and you cross over with us into the new decade, everything that you will experience in glory, in greatness, in the new decade. It is God that has brought you that far. And you must recognize that you cannot afford to push him aside. You must remember that you still need God overseeing your life, overseeing your business, overseeing your marriage, overseeing your career, overseeing all that concerns you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. This morning, I just want us to just get up on our feet. As we just begin to say to God, Lord, take charge. I need you to be the architect over my life. I need you to be the one who 
designs all that concerns me. You are the beginning, you are the end. You are the one who knows the end of my story before it begins. You are the one who knows how it will all play out. You are the one who has designed this thing. You know what it looks like, what it is supposed to look like eventually. I need you to help me to walk in sync with you, to align myself with you daily, regularly, in every situation, every decision that I stand to make. Father, I need you. I need you, oh God. I desperately need you to help me. I desperately need you to instruct me, to guide me, to show me, to teach me. Help me to do that which you would have me to. Help me, help me, help me to take the steps that are required to bring me to that place. The Bible says that the steps of a good man are ordered by you. Order my steps aright. Order my steps aright. Help me to place you on top, on the top of my list. Make you priority over all that concerns me to make you priority over all, 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 all that I am building, to ensure that you're the one constantly overseeing all that concerns me. Father, I pray for grace, 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 that all that I am aligns with you completely and totally, aligns with your will completely and totally, aligns with your purpose completely and totally. Do, oh God, with me as you please, because I know that indeed it is for my good. It is to bring me to a future, to a pleasant end, where you alone will take all the glory and all the praise, where I can say to the world around me, when they look amazed at what you are doing, I can say, that it is Jesus. It is Jesus. It's because I fixed my gaze on Jesus. Because I looked to Jesus and no one else. Because I chose to hear him out. Because I chose his instructions. I chose to walk with his specifications. Father, help me. Help me this morning, great God. Thank you, great God. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Hallelujah. God, I give myself away. I give myself away so you can. I give myself, give myself. I give myself away. Myself away, so you come on, sing it like you mean it. I give myself away, everything that I've held into. I give myself away, so you. I give myself away. I give you my time. I give you my money. I give you my resources. I give you my life. So you come on one more time like you mean. I give myself. I give. I give everything. I give myself away. So you. I give myself away.
the voice of the father from the voice of a stranger. Let me tell you, every good imposter, you will try to sound like the shepherd unless you, are, you, you lack tactics. Hello? Are you following me? If I want to sound, if I want to deceive you that Pastor Matthew, I won't come here sounding like me. I will try my best possible way to mimic his voice. Alright? So you need discernment to be able to separate the voice of the shepherd from the voice of the imposter. Because many times when the, the imposter sees this is how the shepherd sounds, he wants to sound that way. When the imposter sees that this is how the, the, the shepherd speaks, alright, he wants to speak that way. But Jesus said it doesn't matter the, the sophistication of their counterfeit. You will know the difference. So those are the two groups I want to pray for here this morning. As we are gearing up into the new year, God has great days in store for us. Absolutely no doubt. Alright? But of what use is an instruction if it is not obeyed? Of what use is an instruction if it is not heard? Alright? So if you fall into any of those two categories, I want you to raise your hand in the way that God sees you. Alright, I know many times you say eyes closed. This is not even an altar call. This is between you and your maker. Anyone that wants to see me, you should see me. You might see me today. You will understand my testimony in the future. So I don't care whose eyes are open, whose eyes are shut. I don't know whose hands are up or whose hands are down. But God is set to sort out those issues in our midst this morning. That your ears that have been clogged for long, they become open. Your faculties to discern the supernatural, they become clear. Just like an antenna that has been retuned, you are able to hear clearly and you are able to see clearly. And for those who have struggled with disobedience, it's not deliberate rebellion. It's not like you want to be a rebel. You know you love God, but you just cannot recall the last moment you obeyed. I want to pray for you very quickly. Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak over the lives of your children and I stand in the gap that for anyone who feels overpowered and cannot recall the last moment of obedience, those who have been They've, they've, been, they've been fortunate enough to hear your voice, but they can't recall the last time they obeyed an instruction. And it is as though their life, they're just moving in circles, especially in their spiritual walk with you. It just looks like circles up today, down tomorrow, encouraged tomorrow, discouraged the next day, on fire today and dead tomorrow. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I bring an end to that cycle. In the mighty name of Jesus, I said I bring an end to that cycle. In the name of Jesus, the empowerment to hear and to do, the grace to hear and to obey, it is released unto you. In the mighty name of Jesus, you will do his will. You will do his will. In the mighty name of Jesus, for as many who have never heard God speak to them, Father, I ask for an abundance of revelations, that the heavens over them are open. As they turn the pages of scripture, they hear your voice. They see their lives in your word. They recognize their situations in the pages of scripture. They will hear a voice behind them saying, this is the way to go. They will not mix that voice with the voice of a stranger. It will be clear. It will be discernible. In the mighty name of Jesus. Like the little boy Samuel, who was hearing the voice of God, but thought it was the voice of his teacher. Father, whatever voice you need to use, let it be a discernible voice. But they will know that this is you speaking to me, and I will do your will. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, because it is done. What you have done is done. What you have sealed is sealed. What you have completed is completed. And we give you all the glory. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. 
Come on, give the Lord a big shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Are you happy you came to church today? Are you glad you came to church today? Praise 